0: Anything combat with Johnny K?
1: But it's anything combat, though. Welcome back to Balance the Anything Combat Show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by surging bantamweight contender. He's five and one. He's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Please welcome our Moon Moon Cosme. How are you, Amun?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Good.
1: Did you watch the fights this weekend?
0: Oh, did, I did a I did a, a, a stream party. So I work with a company called Millions. And I do uh, watch parties, so people jump in to watch me co- not commentate, but get my commentary on the fight and stuff like that. And it was absolutely nuts card this weekend. This weekend was full of all kind of nice little
1: surprises. That was, in my opinion, the event of the year so far. One absolute spectacular event. We can run through the card. Who do you <laughs> want to talk about first was the standout that you were most impressed with? Oh...
0: All right, so Volk is one of the GOATs for me. So, like, I feel like we expect him to do what he does because he always does it. So I'm gonna just going to exclude one of the greatest of all time. I'm just going to exclude him and go by everywhere else. And uh, the it would probably be the Pintoja, the Pintoja fight. Whoa, it dude. was so crazy to watch because... Uh, and I'll give you a little bit of rundown of everything this weekend. It's kind of a funny story. But I was watching it with uh, two other fighters. They were here with me. So we were watching it, and we all had this. Normally everybody's like, oh, I see it this way, this way, that way. And we all had it the same way. Like, hey, it could be round one, four, five, Pintoja, or round two, three, four, uh, Moreno. So it was just like, It was a split decision, but it's one of those you can't get mad at. I think that stood out the most for me because, yeah, we know Pintoja beat him twice, but it's been such a huge gap between Moreno and a lot of the other 25ers, and he's just showed he's on an elite level, and he's progressed and gotten so much better. Uh, And I I didn't think Pintoja was going to last five rounds as I was watching the fight. After round two and three, I was like, oh, my God, it looks like Pintoja is like, gassing out a little bit like and then at, in the middle of round 3 I said man it doesn't look like he necessarily gas." we all get tired but I was like he's being very efficient with his energy he's choosing when to explode and when to get into these wrestling exchanges when he feels like the, the the pressure's coming on him and i think he stood out and showed that like he beat the champion i know it's a split decision i hate when people say oh in order to to win the belt you got to beat the champion i'm like if you win three of the five rounds that's beating the champion you don't have to knock the champion out you can also beat him on the cards but you know i thought that was a really standout performance we already I, we already know bo Nichols is an absolute phenom uh and it's unfortunate he had that last minute replacement but like i still say the pintoja was was more impressive uh more impressive and then i gotta give like a, a, a <laughs> participation trophy to Duplicis. I didn't see that. I did not see him dominating Robert Whitaker. I literally thought it was gonna be the other way around. I said Robert Whitaker's gonna make easy work of Duplicis. And then that happened and I was kind of shocked by that. But overall performance, I gotta go with the five round the, the pentosia. That was that was special to watch all five rounds.
1: That was an absolute crazy fight. That's probably <laughs> my favorite Moreno fight uh as of as of yet I think that Moreno might have the most fucked-up championship history out of any champion. (laughs) What a weird situation to be in. You fight one guy four times, and then the guy that you'll fight for a third time now, you're most likely going to rematch, so you're going to have two people that you've had four fights with. (laughs) Reading his shirt off, you're like, what is going on here? That's what we we were watching the
0: fights, and in round four, we looked at each other like, what if these, I said, man, what if these motherfuckers fight for a fourth time? And then we just like laughed about it and kept going. And then in the end of round five, we started looking at each other like, has anybody else fought anyone four times? All in MMA, because we know Izzy Pereira's four times, but their two was in kickboxing.
1: So it was like, who all fought four times?
0: I'm I know like, I one
1: remember. off know the top f- of my head. Off the top of my head, Ooh. there's one. It's Rampage Jackson Landale Silva.
0: Yes, two pride to uh, uh, UFC, Bellator, Pride UFC, Correct. Bellator. Okay. Hey, Rampage Jackson is fucking hilarious. I just want to throw it out there. After meeting him in person, like I grew up. He's one of he. Uh, him, and, and like I'm not just not just because I fight for the United Fight League. Like Frank Mir and Rampage Jackson are who I grew up on. So I'm 31 years old. I still remember watching like UFC before it was like really big. Uh, uh, you know, everybody remembers the Forrest Griffin fight and all uh, the Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner fight and stuff like that. But I remember my dad used to have you like the old school, like when they were in the cage with no weight class and Hoist Gracie, like all the craziness. Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz and Randy Couture. These were the first. Like UFCs that I witnessed. So, getting the chance to meet Rampage Jackson, Frank Mir, Tino Ortiz was just like, I don't get star, I'm not starstruck, but it was just like, not even like, oh, like idols. It's just like, y'all can't believe I grew up watching these guys and now like I'm in the same arena as them because when I was young, that's that I didn't um, imagine myself being in, you know, in an MMA, you know, professional athlete uh, at that time when I was young, when I was watching them. But he is fucking hilarious, man. Like I was just fucking with him at weigh-ins, and he started clowning me. He put me on his Instagram live. It just like did like a like, did like a rampage interview. This is not even something like the the you not UFL had a schedule to do. We're just waiting at the event, waiting for the the live weigh-ins to go, and he's on his. On his Instagram live, and he just comes over and starts giving me a mock interview, and it was just abs- I put a little a couple clips on my on my uh, Instagram, but it, he's absolutely hilarious. I was like, oh, he's the same person
1: that he was in all the interviews, all the fights. He's just fucking hilarious, man. They should put him on the Dana White contender series as a commentator.
0: Oh, I would I would absolutely love that. I would absolutely love. All right, so I'm allowed to curse here. I'm allowed lot curse out here. Whatever you want, do whatever right. you want. Tell so the like the funny funniest shit. Uh, (laughs) one of the funny things that happened is we go live and, uh, let all the viewers out there don't know I'm black. All right, right? I'm Puerto Rican and black. So I grew up in New York, uh, and and then moved down to Georgia when I my family moved down to Georgia when we were young. And we're live, and I got my hair out. It's like fuck, when I let my hair out, it looks like sideshow Bob off a of fucking uh uh Simpson. So I'm just like I let I just got my hair out, and I normally get it braided the day before the fight just to get it all put down. I don't know how Alex Aker does it. I'm like bro, I can't be fighting Clay Guida. I'm like I I hate. When there's, like, hair in my face, and I'm trying to, like, be in tune with what's going on. I don't know how they do it. Uh,
1: do you know, just that. quickly, just quickly to interrupt, somebody that does not one of my favorite fighters, Benson Henderson, he has the hair out, and, dude, people are going for rear naked chokes on him, and they're, like, you can see his hair getting pulled. I'm like, <laughs> do you not feel any pain? You know, not feel any fight? <laughs> so, it, with the fights were in
0: Arizona. I actually met Benson Henson for the first time, and he was there. And he's also one of, he's one of my favorite fighters, like, growing up. But, like, I see that. And it's not even, like, that happens in the training room all the time because we train with guys and girls who got a lot of hair. And, like, we'll be, like, mount, and I'll be trying to get, like, you know, na- rear naked chokes or guillotine or something. Or, like, I'll be, like, getting a gift wrap or, like, framing, and it's, like, handful of hair. And I'm, like, man... It just get ripped out all the time. That's why I keep mine in braids. I'm not going to lie. My, my manager is a uh, freaking four-stripe brown belt. And uh, me and him, he also fight uh, he also fights as well. Me and him, were going at it. He's got, like, the long, long hair, and he had it wrapped up. And one time, we're, like, going. We're going. And we're going at his role. And I went to go, like, club the head, and I got a handful of hair. And I went to snatch my head out, and all you heard was... And I looked at him, and I was like, mid-roll. I was like, we normally don't stop for nothing. I was like, hey, bro, I got a handful of hair. He was like, man, it's, so good, it's whatever, bro. Just, just put a hairball on the mat and <laughs> get rolling. I was like, damn, i just ripped, half his hair out.
1: he going to charge me for that somewhere. I don't know how. I've got a question about uh, jiu-jitsu for you. So would you say that is the main discipline that's um, like dominated your fight style? Or would you say another discipline has influenced your fight style more so?
0: I would say if you look on paper, it definitely says jiu-jitsu. A lot of people, like, think, like, I'm – it's weird. A lot of people think that I'm a grappler because early in my uh, – we were talking a little bit about the tapology, right? Yes. Uh, how they fuck shit up. Yeah, they, fuck, they fucked a lot of shit up. They fucked my record up as an amateur. They also fucked my weight class up for a minute. And then I was just like – I tried to contact them and fix it. And then once I became a pro, I was like, man, that's amateur shit, man. Fuck that. Like, we're on to the next. And What was uh, the division they said you were in in amateur? All right, it's the 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 weight class I don't necessarily fault them for because I had so many people pulling out of fights all the time or the week of the fight, so I wouldn't fight at Bantamweight. weight it would be a catch weight at one forty it'll be one forty five and i'm I'm not a one forty five or I tell people i'm I'm not like right right now I weigh. 153, 154, something like that. Still got five weeks before the fight. I'll probably drop, you know, uh, no four or five pounds prior to weight cut week. So I'll be 148, 147, something like that. Uh, But I've had people pull out of fights. And then when I fight them, it says 140 or 142 or 142 plus two. So we're fighting on 44 or 45. And it would have me at featherweight and all these promoters would call and try and get me to fight their featherweight guys who formerly fought at welterweight and lightweight. And I'm like, yo, I'm not a, I'm not a, hey, do you want to meet in between the featherweight and lightweight? No, I'm, bro, I'm walking right now at 54, 55. Uh, at one point in time, I was trying to focus on building like, you know, solid like foundation, getting a little, getting a little bit bigger. So I'm not a small 35 or so like when I'm not in camp and stuff, I might be like 58, 59, sometimes like that, you know, I lift uh, and, and stuff like that. But to, to, They messed that up. My last amateur fight, um, I got a knockout, and it's not even on there. It says canceled bout, but there are posters. There's video in everything, and the guy that I beat still has remained undefeated his whole entire career. Yo, it's wild. And I was like, bro, I knocked this dude out. And I don't care because I'm like, it's it's whatever. But I'm like, it's not on there. It says canceled bout.
1: (laughs) What's his name, bro? If you knocked him out, what's his name? Joel Maddock. Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. Also, if you fought at lightweight, that'd probably be the easiest weight card of your life. Yeah. Not even I, a would, I, literally
0: just, I just wake up and not eat breakfast. <laughs> a guy, and I was like, and he fought, he fought at welterweight and lightweight. And I was like,
1: what the fuck? And I'm like, I'm, bro, I'm yeah. not featherweight. <laughs> that's, weight. That's ridiculous. So your only loss is to Diego Gomez. So mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about that guy? And would you go for that rematch uh, anytime soon? I would. Love that rematch! <laughs> I would love that rematch. Uh,
0: I yeah, I think he's a stud. Uh, he he does have world world class jujitsu. Uh, we knew exactly what he, what he was good at, and he caught me while I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, if I get here, do get to this next spot." And he was already throwing up the guillotine. And I think at the level uh, of competition that we're fighting at, uh, it might not be UFC level yet. Or Bellator level yet, but like the UFL, their talent pool is absolute. If you watch the first two events of UFL, you be like, these look like UFC fights, and I believe uh, they'll be competing with the UFC very soon, uh, especially with all the benefits that they have as far as offering fighters help. Like I have health coverage through UFL, I have health coverage, and because I entered a tournament with them, I actually have stocks in the business too. Really, that's yes. wonderful. So the the purse the the purses. Uh, for the UFL is the biggest purse I've ever gotten in my career. It's not UFC, but it's not far off. And it's like the purses are legit. Uh, it's one of the most professional leagues I've ever fought for. I'm covered medically, and I have stocks in the company, and I won sponsors through them. And you can still have your own sponsors going into their fights as well. So like they're they're doing such great things. I think there will be some people leaving top promotions just to get the type of benefits that they're having. Uh, for for their league and uh that's just a little bit about the ufl but yeah i would absolutely love that i'm sorry i'm not leaving that one alone i would absolutely love that rematch uh that one stung a little bit you know because i knew exactly what the guy was good at and i put myself in a position just because like i wasn't clear-headed in that one moment and uh he's a stud i don't i don't have no ill will i tell you i don't have to have ill will towards people i fight like, I, me and my best friends literally punch each other and choke each other out all week for free. So as soon as they sign over a contract to somebody I don't know, it doesn't really mean much to me. <laughs> you know, I respect them and their skill set and obviously what they do. But it's not like, you know, a lot of fighters have to get like
2: raw,
0: you know, like I got to not like you to fight you. And I'm like, bro, I'm one of eight siblings. I've been fighting brothers and sisters and cousins. And <laughs> so, like, you know, to me, I'm like, Yo, it, it's just it's it's another fight now it's just going to be. 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people looking at it between online and in-person and shit. But yeah, I would love that rematch. I'm, that's not definitely not a focus or anything like that because I'm currently in band Abandoned Weight tournament, but obviously it crossed my mind a lot because he made me look like Easy Work. And I told I told a guy, uh, Julian Virgin, uh, he, he, he does the media out here for Flatline Cinema, which is uh, also doing the media for NFC, which is the biggest uh, MMA promotion here in, in Georgia. Uh, the National Fighting Championship. Shout out to Lindsey Jones, uh, 170. Uh, Lindsey Sweet T. Jones, he got a fight this Friday coming up. We're going to be out there in Atlanta uh, uh, for that fight. But, uh, yeah, he asked me, you know, <laughs> about it. And I was like, man, I made a lot of people look like easy work because they made one mistake, and then the same thing happened to me. And welcome to the fight game. When you're fighting on this level of competition, you only got to make one mistake. And then if somebody capitalizes in their strong suit,
1: then, like, you're in for, you know, uh, possible L. I want to ask you about those sponsors now the original shorts like someone like cowboy seroni was wearing the wec or the ufc those orange shorts green venom logo on them uh sorry green monster logo on them yeah. and a whole bunch of crazy like NASCAR looking shit i <laughs> love that personally personally they are the coolest looking shorts when you have a million sponsors on them and also <laughs> help like even even John Jones's Nike, just the one tick, was iconic. So, do you think we should just revert back to sponsors? Because I think we should. Uh, for me
0: personally, on both ends, I don't know. Look, I don't know what the cons would be for a major company like the UFC to have other companies be shown on their the biggest platform. I don't, I don't understand.
1: But look, I'm they don't, not a- they don't get a cut of the of the profit. That's the problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they about the money.
0: Then, yeah, then work out a deal where, hey, if you got these sponsors, like, because they're getting aired on here, uh, 10% or this or something, like, I don't know, but I feel like if it's going to benefit the fighters and the fighters are out there putting their brains and bodies on the line for entertainment, uh, and it helps, like, that money's going to help their family out, their camps and stuff. Like, what's the big deal? I absolutely love it. Obviously, I'm a fighter, but I'm like... I love it. Like, I feel like there's so much, there's so much to go around. Uh, uh, there's not like this scarcity mentality. We got to have one. And then they went ahead and they switched from Reebok to Venom. To the I'm like, what, are they going to just do this every time somebody offers them a, a massive check? Like, you know, oh, we'll just go with only this stuff. But uh, I like, I like all stuff. The only one that I'm not a fan of, I'm just like, when they do the old school ones where they used to get the fake tattoos on, on, on them, they used to get like, you ever seen
1: those what the uh i think they still do that in poland they get that the really weird black ink on their yeah. back it has like a logo like that's the hilarious they do that gold. in serbia they do that in serbian promotions and really? people will have people will have like literally like whatever whatever the equivalent of like to- toro tires or whatever that shit is called in serbia they'll have it on their back as a massive emblem and you just yeah. get the, you just see him get head kicked and you see the ink it's like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> Those are the only ones I'm not a
0: fan of. I'm like, I'm like, all right, you might be doing a little bit too much right there. But like, have have having a banner, you know, having a banner, having some walkout shirts, uh, walkout
1: shirt, walkout shorts, I like that. I like it, me personally. You went to Sinbi Muay Thai in Thailand. How was that for you? And uh, did you enjoy Thailand? Oh man.
0: Shout out to Sinbi Muay Thai. The Simbi team, the trainers. Shout out to Thailand. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Like, uh, it was something that I always dreamed about doing. I wanted to do, and I got my passport in 2019, uh, and then I made my pro debut U in 2020. And I just remember like it was yesterday. I was like, man, I've been training Muay Thai for like at that point in time, it was like five or six years. Uh, but like as a mixed martial artist, you're, you're you're splitting your time between five, six martial arts, but traditional Muay Thai and jiu-jitsu are my two favorite martial arts. And one of my first MMA coaches fought traditional Muay Thai. So for me, it was just like, oh, man, uh, uh, something that just spoke to my heart. I was like, man, he goes told me, if you ever get a chance, go out to Thailand. And I wanted to in 2020. I had a fight January 25th. I had that one. I had one scheduled in March. COVID shut down the world. So then I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to Thailand. Then things opened back up, and I had an opportunity. And after my second UFL fight, like man i raised the money to go out there and i end up picking the the gym simbi muay thai because a gentleman that uh, when i was an amateur he used to fight in tennessee he was always known for muay thai but he he would do okay in mma but do really good when it came to striking and then he ended up like moving out to thailand so i contacted him and uh he was like oh you got to try simbi it's a great gym blah, blah blah and he trains at aka thailand so i went out there and um It was an absolutely amazing experience like the culture the training the people it was just it was just phenomenal and i'm like man how do i go back to thailand every year or twice
1: a year (laughs) i figure that out i've got a question about thailand so basically i spoke to another fighter about this Mm -hmm. and it's a hard question but People know that Thailand is a haven for steroid usage in MMA right now, right? So I want to ask you, did you see anything that you're like, hold on, there's so many steroids here, or what? What did you see? Uh, de- I feel like anytime you go to any foreign
0: countries where there's any kind of... Uh... Big sport that that's not sanctioned, like by a Usada or a water or something like that. That that's definitely going to be something that's prevalent because everybody's always looking for some kind of advantage. And I went to like four, three or four Muay Thai events, uh, and a couple of them I was like, "That dude definitely juice, bro. That dude's a white dude, and his skin is like plush red." He has like these little gyno nipples. He turned around and got pimples on his back. I'm like, bro, that's a grown ass man right there. <laughs> and then he got fucked up, and I was like, I guess that shit ain't helped, <laughs> yo. Like, I think it maybe
1: is- maybe should have trained a little bit hard instead yeah, of
0: uh, right, taking steroids. Yeah, right, yeah. The, the the training is more important than the than the steroids. But like, I didn't see it in the gym. Like, the so the Cindy gym is a very big gym. is very uh It's like an international hub. I met people from. UK, France, from uh, Saudi Arabian fight team, uh, people from India, uh, the Aust- a couple uh, Australian fight teams, uh, Netherlands, Den- Netherlands uh, fight team, Denmark, like I met, I went to Thailand expecting to learn a lot about Thailand and I learned so much about so many other countries and, uh, you know, network and stuff out there, but their gym, what well, they did have a fight team, and they had a lot of guys that fought on one and in uh, like the Lumpini stadiums and stuff like that. But they did such a great job of like you could have a day one person and a person who has 200 fights. And somehow everybody's training in the same area, getting what they needed. It was wild to see. But they had 20, 30 trainers on the mat. So I would say a minimum 15, 20 trainers and like fighters in the ring over here, newbies over there, shadow boxing and stuff. And in that area, I didn't see especially with the ties I didn't see it didn't seem like you know I saw people that even like remotely looked juiced up it it, it didn't look like that but when we
1: went to some of these fights I was like "Mm, that guy is definitely on something (laughs) you spoke about this on your Instagram I just want to ask you how dedicated you are to MMA in general and just your perspective on the sport right now
0: I am 100% dedicated um my whole life is basically immersed in martial arts. I tell people there's a difference. I'm not a fighter who does martial arts, I'm a martial artist who fights. And that's a different is a difference between that. Fighters train and prepare f- and do martial arts to prepare for fights. I'm gonna do martial arts until the day that I pff, fucking die. All right. And that's a never-ending journey because martial arts is always evolving. There's always a lot to learn. You could do one martial art, to, you know, for for your whole entire life and still not learn anything, and I'm crazy enough to try and train five of them. So, like, I'll definitely run out of lifespan before, you know, I get to master all, all that martial arts has to offer. And I'm a martial artist that fights. I'm not a fighter that does martial arts. And my life is based, based around what I do. I... Teach and train martial arts. I'm also into you know physical fitness and health. So you know it's there's so much clickbaity shit out there, and everything is a good one-liner. And sometimes I have to check myself because I'm I'm a good communicator. I can talk well, and just when you say certain things, it's so clickbaity because everybody is saying it, and I'm just like, no, people are just saying this shit. I mean it. Like this is legit a lifestyle for me. I've been training martial arts now for 11 years and I decided to leave two full-time do- two full-time jobs to pursue martial arts as a career as well as fighting and uh just it's not something that I'm like tiptoeing in. When I had two full-time jobs, I let one go so I could have one job and train full-time and then when I just felt that fire inside to like not just not just want to compete but to compete and to continue to learn and grow and like spend more time on, not just in the cage, but on the mats, I was like, man, how do I do this? And I was like, well, the only way to do this is to get rid of this other job, the security net and spend more time here. Um, I think I've been fortunate and blessed with my start in martial arts because I started later. I'm, I'm not a guy who started at eight, nine, is no phenom. I was just telling my friend, remind me to tell you about the story about this weekend. Uh, I was just telling the guy that I came down, one uh, of. Couple fighters that came down to to hang out and get some training in with me for this camp. Uh, that like, oh man, you're a pretty good athlete. You're in like decent shape. But right? I was like, man, I was not an athlete growing up. I was never strongest, never the fastest, never none of that stuff. I was just obsessed. I told him, I said, I don't know if I like being good as much as I don't like being good at something. Like I hate not being good at something because I know the form. I know the formula for success. It's going to be consistency, hard work, determination over the period of time, over the course of time. And if you do that, you can improve in anything. And part of me, I'm good at a lot of things that I never even intended on being good at because I was always told, oh, you ain't going to be good at that. You ain't going to do that. And then I was like, watch this. I'm going to show you. And then once I learned that it's easy to prove other people wrong, but it's hard to prove yourself right, I stopped concerning myself with being good at other things just to prove other people wrong. And then I had this like insightful conversations with myself like, hey, what the fuck do you want to do? And when I got into martial arts, I remember the first year I left my full-time job to start pursuing martial arts. Like I I, I was at a good job. I made good money. Probably... $40,000 40000 or so a year with health insurance, like really good money for someone who's fucking 23 at the time. Or, you know, 20, no, 19. I, was the, I worked at, started that job in 1920. So around that time, you talk about 22, 23. And I was just like, man, I left that job. And the first year I just was like all in on the martial arts and fitness and stuff was like, I made like 11 grand. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, how the fuck do you live off of this? (laughs) And then that repeated for multiple years. And then I started competing as an amateur and and getting paid. And then, like, I was all in. And, like, you don't know if you're all in until a lot of fucked up shit starts to happen and you got to question where you're at. Like, am I really built for this? Am I really made for this? Or how the fuck can I make this work? Because I'm not even making money, but I need money to live. So it's like, you know... I was all in when I decided that I wanted to compete in MMA. Uh, And when I started, took my first fight in 2016, it didn't matter that I had a late start in martial arts and all that stuff. I just dedicated my time. And I think a lot of people that throw that word out there and say, man, Moon's very talented. I'm like, man, y'all don't know fuck about talent. Like, everything I got is shit that I worked for. And the beautiful story is about most fighters who are dedicated have the same fucking story. It's like, yo, we're all dedicated... Uh, to something, you know, or we're doing this for a particular reason, and you know that's the beautiful thing about fighting. You don't even have to be like a a, a crazy athlete <laughs> to be a, a great fighter. You know, it comes in all shapes and sizes and weight classes. So that's my like my little, I guess my thoughts on like hard work and determination. And I always think of uh, there's a, a quote by Denzel. He's like, without uh, without commitment, you won't get started. And without consistency, you won't get finished. It's something something like that. It's like, hey, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I got to get started today. You got to get started today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And eventually, over time, you'll get closer to whatever that goal is for you. What happened this weekend? All right. So, uh if you look at my topology, me and a gentleman named Alexander Shank fought for Icon, uh, the first Icon, Jorge Masvidal's. So oh, that's Jorge's thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have fight of a night. It was an absolute fireworks. Like I was two and zero at the time. He was one and zero at the time. And if you looked at that fight, you're like, we tried to kill each other for a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, bro, this is like, this is like a contender series fight or whatever. So. We had no beef towards each other. We both got short notice calls. Uh, I fight 35. He fights 45. But we were going to do a catch weight or whatever. Uh, and I was just looking at the opportunity. Um, the fight was fucking phenomenal. Definitely one of my hardest opponents that I, that I, that I fought. He hit me with a fucking head kick. He missed this flying knee by like this much on a on a Jorge Masvidal show. Like I was like, bro, if that shit would have landed on Masvidal show, I'll be a poster child for someone right now. And uh, that's what I'm saying. This game is like there. There are a lot of times in the fights so where I'm like, man, this guy was a half inch off from like cutting my lights off, or a half inch off from the takedown or the choke or this, and that's all it takes. And uh, me and him stayed in contact. That happened last year in January and uh me and him stayed in contact and he lives out in tennessee and he asked me some questions about like management and stuff like that because he's doing pretty pretty well uh in his uh in his career he did a bare knuckle mma fight for masvidal and i was like bro you're fucking crazy (laughs) and uh he came down this weekend and we got training in. so we got some training in together uh, and he helped me out with this training camp and uh just sharpening, sharpening each other up. And it's kind of cool to make that connection after you and this guy tried to literally decapitate each other on, on UFC fight pass. And then, you know, we just remained uh, maintained a uh, connection online. And then it was like, man, fuck it. Let's link up. And I was like, I'm in, I'm in training camp right now. He's like, well, let's come down and get some work and came down and we got some good training in and, uh, we watched
1: the fights and everything, and it was a, uh, it's kind of cool. What did you think about Icon as a promotion? And uh, if you did get hit with that flying knee, you'd probably be on the logo or something.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh my God! I would never. I wouldn't be able to live that down. <laughs> Icon as a promotion was fucking awesome. Chance to meet Jorge Masvidal and a lot of other good fighters as well. And uh, that's actually where I first ran into uh uh Frank Mir and Tito Ortiz. <laughs> so that was kind of that was kind of funny too. I met them before and I, I think they saw my fight down in Miami. I uh, fought for Icon three times. The the, the loss to Diego Manzur, but the one before that was Miami uh against Alexei Fedosiev, and then the one before that was Alexander Shank. Uh I like I liked Icon man. It just it remi- it's the Florida vibes, man. It just felt like Florida. Like uh it was live. All the events were super, super live. Uh Jorge Mastodal knows how to knows how to bring it. And it was like it's no ducking and hiding. It wasn't like a promotion where like people are trying to oh get built up pad records. It was like, yo, we're gonna throw all these dogs in a cage and see who's left. And that's what every fight was. I went from fighting Alexander Shank. Uh, and then the next fight I had was, uh, Alexei Fidocia, which was like a European kickboxing champ who was trying to take my head off. And then I fought Diego Manzor. So you could see, like, there was no, me, there's no, it was no like, Oh, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to like build this fighter or like, you know, try to, it was like, yo, this is a dog pound. Like you're going to come in here. You're going to show if you got it or you don't. And then all the main event winners, um, end up, uh, main event winners after I think Icon two and three, all end up getting signed to the UFC or UFC contender uh shop. So it was a really good feeder program, and then uh that kind of led me into UFL. And I man, I can't I can't say enough great things about the UFL. Man, if you don't follow them, follow them and see what they got going on. It's a very talent rich, super professional uh league, and I've never been a part of anything more professional in my life. And I'm just like, man, it just feels good to be a part of something that's like greater than just fighting. Cause like I said, I'm not just a fighter, I'm a martial artist and I just love what they're doing for
1: uh, all the fighters on the scene. What's your training split right now? And how often are you training? Six days a week.
0: (laughs) I train six days a week. Uh, I literally, uh, before you messaged me uh, on Instagram, I was literally here like, telling myself bro today is a rest day don't go train (laughs) like we i had hard training all week uh because we're in like the thick of training camp we're in the thick. i'm like five weeks away so essentially four more weeks and then one week weight cut where we're pulling off the gas but like training for me is monday through saturday and when i'm in the training camp see this is what i'm saying like when you say when you ask them i'm all in i'm gonna tell you what a training camp schedule looks like and what a regular, like when I'm not in training camp, what it looks like. And even like, well, that looks (laughs) the same, bro. (laughs) Like, and it's very similar, but the, what changes is game plan intensity and, you know, more, more, more sports specific training than just generalized training. Uh, And depending on what my, the game plan is, according to my opponent, then we'll like, hey, work out the kinks in specific training sessions and then ramp up the intensity versus when I'm not. But training schedule, two a day on Monday. Uh, I do two a day on Tuesday, but I have to force myself for one of those to be a recovery. I have to treat a recovery session as training to trick my brain into thinking I'm not taking a session off because I'm Fucking crazy <laughs> all right so i'll do a, a two actual training sessions on monday mma mma grappling uh with live goes with the pro team uh savage that's monday morning then it's kickboxing uh muay thai uh monday night with sparring and pad work so that'll be the next one And then Tuesday morning will be a recovery session. So depending on what I'll do, I'll go to like a regular regular gym and I'll do mobility work and then get in a sauna and things like that. Then Tuesday night, it will be uh, normally uh, jujitsu. Wednesday morning, it'll be some sort of MMA work or vice versa. It'll be uh, on Tuesday night. It'll be MMA work. If we, not, if we don't do it Tuesday morning, if I do it Tuesday, we do it Tuesday morning with the pros, then I'll do recovery session Tuesday night. So one of the sessions on Tuesday is recovery, depending on what time our MMA schedule is. Wednesday morning is going to be MMA drilling uh, with focus on striking. And then Wednesday night is uh, no-gi jiu-jitsu. And then Thursday morning will be MMA grappling drilling. And then Thursday night will be a recovery session. I'll lift Friday morning and then do Muay Thai Friday night. And then Saturday, I don't have to train, but I just, like, eh, we got, there's option to do sparring as well as rolling because we have open gyms. So I normally do that as well. And then Sunday I take off. (laughs) So that's pretty much my training schedule for a week. Uh, And you do that on repeat for, eight weeks, nine weeks, 10 weeks, depending on, uh, and you just play around with the intensity, uh, as you get closer to camp and the volume as you're farther from camp. And that's what that's like. And essentially it's the same thing when I'm not, (laughs) when I'm not in camp, except for I'll focus more on mobility and a little bit of strength and, uh, then I'll have fun with training because I love martial arts. So I don't have a focus on what I'm doing. I just want to fix things in my game. Hey, I want to get back into Gi and train this, or I want to train some traditional Muay Thai because I teach Muay Thai as well because I was just in Thailand and kind of go with that. So a little bit more laxed when I don't have a fight. But when I don't have a fight, I'm training a minimum five days
1: a week. How does your body feel with all this training? Like, what's your recovery like? Is, do you Do you get injured or what? So
0: that's something that I remember I told you I'm a madman I have to treat one of my training sessions on the two a days like throughout the week as uh, one of my recovery uh, recovery sessions as training sessions to mentally like cut the that little demon in your head that's like you're not doing enough you got to do more because I've had plenty of training camps where I've overtrained and then I'll start to you know, little, little things that hurt start to turn into injuries. And then you're going into fight with, I've been in the fights, <laughs> it messed up meniscus, uh, partially torn LCL, uh, fucked up AC joint, uh, black eye a week before my fight. Like, you know, like, uh, you, as an athlete, you got to realize when, training hard all the time is not beneficial you have to train hard and smart so this year i really leveled up on the recovery aspect of training i have an ice bath uh homemade ice bath i didn't buy no five thousand dollar ice bath that they sell them online we did that shit for fucking 350 dollars. me and my best friend who's also my head coach hey lathan come here real quick say what's up to john me me and my best friends are my head my,
1: my head
2: coach Yo, what's up bro
0: what's up yeah. man you, how you say doing? you're in Melbourne.
1: what's melbourne? good yeah i'm in melbourne australia
0: australia oh, wow so when we come to australia i got connections from muay thai in australia we oh, definitely yeah. gonna think of oh, yeah. We've let's got a go
1: lot. Yeah, I've trained Muay Thai and shit, so we should spa 100%. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: Hell, yeah. That'd be yeah, dope. That'd man. be dope. Cool. Australia's on my net. Like, I have a li- list of, like, places internationally that I wanted to go. Oh, yeah. Thailand was at number one. Yeah, And then Australia, I think, is number two or three on that list. So, I'm like, I already hit Thailand, so Australia's coming. And now I have connections there because I yeah. met uh, two Australian fight teams. And then I met another gentleman from Australia – who Wasn't a part of like his fight team didn't come out, he fights, but he came out and he's like, Yo, if you're ever in Australia, uh, Johnny, the dude with the elephant tattoo oh, on his back, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So I met Johnny, uh, and he was in on the live last night when I was doing the, the stream. Oh, okay. he was trying to jump in. I was like, I can't add nobody right now, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So I got connections in Australia, so when I come down there for sure, I don't go anywhere I can't train. He asked me, He's like, What do you would you say you're 100% in, in
2: MMA? I was like, Bruh, Bro, you have no all idea. in is. is understatement (laughs) like you know a lot of a lot of people like i've you know i've been around fighting for a while now like roughly 10 years and like you know a lot of guys say they're they're all in just because like they you know they may may cut back on their work and and train more than they they do anything else right you know and that and that can sometimes create like a negative pool you know in your life when you like say you focus on training or you go all in But to really go all in as a martial artist, Moon has embodied that, dog. Like, he's, you know, quit his job. He's making a good bit of money there. Like, that was his security net. You know what I'm saying? He moved to a whole other city where really, like, the only thing he had here was fighting. Like, me, you know, his other coaches and just teammates, like, training partners that he's acquired over the the last couple years. Um, And, you know, he's just kind of embodied this way of life. And, like, you know, a lot of people may look at his social media. I'm going to brag on him real quick because he ain't going to brag on himself. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people may look on his social media and be like, you know, this guy's really positive and, like, is he like this all the time and stuff like that? And, like, no, he's not. You know, he's not like this all the time. He, he's not He's not this this super positive guy all the time. He has bad days. He has, he has good days, just like we all do, you know, at work. But when you talk about being a martial artist, not a fighter, because fighters are dumb. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Fighters are dumb. You know, there's martial artists and there's fighters. Fighters are dumb. And they're all about the money, you know. But <laughs> martial artists are about the way of life that you're living. And this dude embodies that man from the from the recovery stuff he's doing, from the nutrition aspect, from the way that I see him live his life every single day. I didn't believe the hype when I first when I first started living with him. I was like, this dude's really eating all of this shit every single day. He's taking his vitamins. He's doing the he's doing the the, the foam roller every day. He's doing his stretches, doing his workouts. I was like, he's reading books. He's getting up in the morning and reading books and shit. And I was like. I'm waking up, I'm like, what the fuck is this dude doing, bro? Like, you know, so to really embody that martial artist aspect, man, like, this dude really does that. And it's, like, an inspiration to me, you know, being being a, a martial artist also because, you know, I'm not a fighter. I, I thought I was, but I'm not a fighter. I'm a, I'm a martial artist, and now I'm a coach. So it really inspires me, too, and just the team around us, too. It, it kind of branches out. It touches everybody, you know? I've got a question for you, then. If our moon's training this hard, how long until we see him
1: in the UFC? Um...
2: So, I mean, to put to put a timestamp on it, I don't think we really can, uh, because this is the realistic aspect of it, right? We talked about this, and I'm just share this with him, but yeah, yeah. you know, the UFC isn't really the goal anymore. Like, they have a lot to offer as far as making money, but when you talk about like some of the best fighters in the world, one championship got literally some of the best fighters <laughs> in the world. Like, they have talent pool that is super deep guys you may never even hear of will literally come in here and smoke top five guys in the UFC any day of the week you know um but when it comes to the UFC they have a lot of money to give you there ain't a whole lot of opportunity with the UFC you know if, if you get into the broadcasting thing then yeah there's that like with, with Daniel Cormier and and you know Paul Felder and and you know you we've seen Tony Ferguson do a little bit of stuff like that's that aspect, but when it comes to, like, what fighting is going to give him, because fighting is going to take as much as you as you let it. Yeah. Fighting will take, 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 but if you give all you can give, it'll take everything, and you'll be left with nothing. But when you talk about taking from a fight promotion or taking from fighting, that's the route we're trying to take. So if the UFC presents an opportunity, and he gets to that point where he's ready, and the UFC presents an opportunity then, yeah, I'm sure he'll jump on it. Yeah. It's his call at the end of the day because that's his career. I'm just here to provide guidance and help him out a little bit along the way, you know? But the UFL is doing great things, man. You talk about having health insurance as a fighter? Come on, dude. <laughs> you were like, talk about recovery. You talk about recovery and, <laughs> and getting these injuries because, you know, fighting is pretty much 100% injury rate. You're going to get injured at some yeah. point. You're going to get hurt, you know? So um, to, to answer your question in a long way, um, The UFC is definitely on the radar, but I feel like Moon has so much more to give and to get from a fight promotion, you know? And I feel like they kind of give you a path to make a lot of money, not a path to make a a lifestyle,
1: you know what I'm saying? Would you say that one has a better rule set for fighting in general? Like, would you like to have, um, like, soccer kicks or pride rules or knees on the ground? Like, what do you think?
2: When I first when I first started watching fighting, like I watched um, I watched a lot of UFC at first, and then I found out about Pride, like Pride you know, and I started crazy. going deep. I went <laughs> I went deep, dog, like real deep, and I started looking up all these old fights. I was watching forty hours of fighting a week, man. And I think, for me personally, I think ONE FC has a better rule set, but I think that it can also be improved, anyways. I feel like there's a few things that can change, right? You know, when you talk about fighting, uh, first of all, the fight starts on the defeat, right? I feel like <laughs> I feel like if, <laughs> I know this is look, going. if you get a takedown on somebody, right, in between rounds, like if, if at the end of round one, you you have a takedown, you secure a takedown, the fight should start in that same position when you continue the next round. Um, I feel like the rounds should be maybe like how Pride did it with like a ten minute round and then like two five minute rounds or one five minute round because then guys would they, they would preserve their tank a little bit more and they wouldn't go as hard in the first round knowing oh i got that women minute break to c- recover it would really test your ability as a fighter and your gas tank and how you prepare um i love soccer kicks i don't <laughs> i'm not gonna say like yeah man soccer kicks because i'm hard because i don't want to get kicked in the head either like if i was fighting i wouldn't want that rule i would not want to get kicked in the head <laughs> from the ground now knee in the head yeah i think i think it's fine because it's you got to be a little closer to get to the knee, and that will provide opportunities for wrestling and grappling. So, ONE FC has a better rule set, in my opinion, and it's gonna and it breeds a lot better fighters because they do the you know they do the red card thing still, like you know that you stalling into action and stuff like that. They're gonna they're gonna penalize you and all that stuff. I think PFL does that too, right? Uh, well, I was just wrap to wrap it up, man. Yeah, um, ONE FC has a better rule set, but the rules can be improved, like the the the, the round lengths the the techniques that, you know, can be thrown, like the 12 to six elbow, like- I don't, listen, even, I don't like, even understand you know, that. I'm like, of,
0: I'm watching somebody on the bottom go like this, this. I'm like, this is the same motion where I'm on top. Yeah. So like, I don't understand that. Yeah,
2: and you know, we, like that rule started from a stupid thing, you know, saw some karate guy break a board or a cement block or oh, something. Yeah. And they were like, oh, that's too dangerous of a technique and you've ever been Yeah, you ever been, kind of, yeah, you ever been kicking the, you ever been flying knee? How about that? Like, literally, Michael Bennett Page crushed this dude's skull. You yeah, know? So, cyborg. yeah, Yeah, crushed yeah, cyborg crushed this dude's skull. So, uh, yeah, 1FC had, has, has a great rule set, man. Um, I, I really think they're doing the right yeah. thing. And they're moving in the right direction. They're navigating. But what did GSP say about, about the rule set?
1: GSP said that there should be no time limit and everything should be allowed except groin strikes. He said bites and all that? eyeye gouging <laughs> not not bites, not eye gouging, but he said every, he should keep it in the realm of sport, but he said maybe like an hour thirty minute time time limit, and just let him go go at it because most likely when there's no time limits, a fight will probably be sorted out in the first three minutes. Because sure. you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get an opportunity where people are realizing I can't win a decision against someone. The only way out of this is I'm gonna have to finish him. So then they will show who uh, the actual that, best fighter that. is. See,
0: that's stuff that I like to like in the in the the whole if you could change rule sets type deal. I'm like, that's something that I I, I would I would play with that. You're like now the rule the rule set really is like. Remember I said you don't have to be an athlete, like. Everything that we do now is down to science. Hey, you can go hard, and then in one minute you got active recovery and this, that, and the third. If somebody takes you down, hey, you know, I can I, if Al Germain gets somebody back, it's pretty much over. You're gonna be there for 30 minutes. It's only a matter back, of time, back, It's only a matter of time before somebody like can secure that victory. I I like that kind of
2: stuff. I, I would say, I would say if you did a 30-minute or hour-long fight. Right. The we know obviously know you wouldn't have as many fights that night, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't have thirteen Nate, fights Nate, Nate at, Diaz is boxing somebody up for twenty eight minutes. <laughs> you can't have you can't have thirteen fights on a card with the hour long fights. And then also the barrier to entry would be a little would be a lot less because amateurs would be, you know, they would be getting hurt like, you know, at a <laughs> high rate. But I think if you did championship fights at the nice. highest level
0: hey. I
2: imagine Alexander Volkanovski and Yair Rodriguez going for an hour like that. That's that's the mindset. Yair's gonna hold back a little bit. Or imagine uh, Pantoja oh, and, and, More- and uh, with no rest. What was was And Moreno, Imagine them fighting with no rest for thirty minutes. Like those are the highest level guys, yeah. dude. That would be insane. That would be like nice. imagine GSP <laughs> fighting Nick Nick Diaz when they fought. Imagine that shit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if JSB would have won. Hey, hey, because they do got the gas tank. I don't know. They're too tough, and they got a
1: gas tank. You delved into a whole bunch of old pride fights and a whole bunch of old MMA. I want to know, this is an underrated fighter fan favorite of mine, is Shinya Aoki. And I want to ask you just what you think of him and his impact just on the sport.
2: Moon or me? You. Oh, oh, oh. You got (laughs) my pride. Oh, dude, all right. So, uh, so Shinya, so Shinya is really, really, really good. He was one of those guys that like revolutionized like jujitsu in MMA. He was so heavy with the jujitsu. Um, our coach Cole is a big fan of him. So he knows a lot more about Shinya than we do. Um, I like Shinya. I like what he did for the sport as far as like bringing that jujitsu, especially being an Asian fighter too. Like the way that he was, he was very like brash. You know he wasn't very like nice like some of the other uh, Asian guys are. You know he was he was real brash and stuff like that, which I think was pretty cool. Um, but the dude's a legend. I mean, like I watched a lot of his I watched a lot of his um, a lot of his highlight stuff. I didn't get into a lot of his personal life like I did with some other fighters. But I saw a lot of his like highlights and a lot of his past fights, which I watched and just you know like I said our coach putting us on and stuff like that. Just like hey man, watch this fight from Shinya back. Yeah, <laughs> he's an encyclopedia. Cole's an encyclopedia. Yeah. Watch watched this fight from back in 2005 when Shinya did this. And I'm like, dude, how do you remember that, you know? But uh, Shinya is definitely a legend. Is that one of your all-time favorite guys?
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. What an absolute beast. Uh, they said to him, I believe he left halfway through his career and said, I'm just going to be a police officer now. And all the Japanese fans went, are you serious? Come back to MMA. <laughs> and, then, and then he got the belts and went did one and everything else. So absolutely yeah. crazy. I want to ask both of you individually, how were you introduced to MMA? What was the first fight that you saw?
2: First fight? i think just say, like... I I remember how I was introduced to MMA. So, like, um my older brother was, uh, was like, the martial artist growing up. He was the guy that, like, did karate. He was always playing with nunchucks. He watched all the, the karate movies and stuff. And, uh, you know, I watched a lot of WWE. But, like, I was, a, I, was a, I was a pussy as a kid. Like, I was a big, I was a big pussy. <laughs> I didn't fight. Like, I ran from a lot of people, like, you know, stuff like that. Um, that was just me, though. You know, I was, I was, that's just how I was. But my older brother came home. I remember it was the summer after ni- my ninth grade year in high school. And uh, my older brother came home and was like, dude, you got to watch this, you know, this UFC stuff, dude. I know you're interested in WWE, but watch this UFC stuff. And he started, we started watching UFC together. And the moment that I first fight, I'm pretty sure it was a Chuck Liddell fight. I he was telling, me, just about to he was telling say. me about the Iceman. He was like, man, this guy called the Iceman. the Iceman. He's knocking everybody out. He looks like a freaking hillbilly with a gut. <laughs> and he's like, man, this dude's knocking people out. So he showed me like Chuck Liddell. And from there on out, man, it was just pursuit of, of knowledge yeah. through for, for fighting. That was That was how I got into it, my older brother, thanks to him. And he doesn't fight. <laughs> the
1: first fight i ever watched i was 13 years of age and we were in school we were supposed to be doing english or some shit and i instead of instead of studying i was fucking watching youtube and i was and i clicked on jones v gustafson one right oh wow. someone uploaded someone uploaded it and that was the first fight i ever watched and while yeah, i was watching like it
2: what are you like 22
1: yeah i'm like 20 Nineteen. Oh days God!
2: I was like dude, I was it, Joe. I was out high
0: school. school. Uh, I like,
1: even that like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I I turned it on. It was a replay because the fight had already occurred ages ago. And then uh, that was the first fight I saw. And the second round hit, and people started looking at my computer, and they were like, "Holy shit! What 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 is that?" Right? Because nobody knew back then. Because this is Australia. Yeah. I don't think America like people even know fighters and stuff. So but then wow. eight, 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 eight people eight people were crowding around my desk going, John, who are these guys? Who are these guys? And I was like, I don't fucking know, right? So then yeah. I'm watching this crazy championship fight and everyone's arguing at the end. Oh, no, he, the Gustafson won. No, Jones won. And we're watching the decision all together and I just lost my mind at that. I, I remember
0: some of the first one. Like I said, my dad used to have the, the VHS and he also had some of these like crazy uh, uh, pride fights and stuff like that. But I think the one that probably made some of the most impact obviously was the UFC one, the, uh, not the UFC one, the tough one with Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin, oh, where they okay. absolutely yeah. tried to kill each other. And then when I saw that, I started watching Chuck Liddell, and we had a guy I went to high school with who started fighting. Uh, he started training first, and he shaved his head like Chuck Liddell. <laughs> David Robbins. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And he had his, he has this mohawk. And he's like, Oh, I'm gonna bring boxing gloves for you. I'm gonna buy some gloves. But he bought one pair. So we used to spar. One person get a right glove, one person get a left glove. And we'd be out there sparring. And then after uh uh I got, I went to a private school in high school, and so you can't fight. Like you get fight, you get rolled up, after that you get kicked out. So it was like, all right, so we would we bought more gloves, MMA gloves, boxing gloves, all that stuff, and we would get all the boys that, loved, that, that were at the high school, and we would just go to my house and then we would fight in my front yard and record it on the V on like the little little eight millimeter uh, uh tapes. And there's actually an old fight on YouTube called fight at our mun's house. And my dad has the car in the front yard because the lights, the top, the lights went down. So we took the put the lights on in the front yard, and I'm like 150 pounds, and I'm fighting this dude who's like 6'2 220 pounds, and we're just in there with MMA gloves fighting each other in in the front yard. And those were kind of like, we saw the Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell knockouts, the Randy Couture fights. And like, those were, those I said, those were what I grew up on. And then I remember seeing Rampage from Pride and then seeing him, Mirko Krokop, like watching these guys. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like, this is crazy. And I had no idea I would do it at the time. I always wanted to train martial arts just to learn how to defend myself because I've never been that big. And, like, those were some of the iconic. But after that Forrest Griffin, Stephan Bonner, it was, yeah. It was a whole, a whole, it just kind of became, like, an obsession. I was like, all right, I got to learn more about this yeah. and jiu and this and that. And yeah. yeah kind of went from there.
1: Moon, what's your um mental like going into the fight? How do you approach the mental side of fighting?
0: Uh I feel like fighting is way more mental than it is physical. I'm like, uh, mentally, I tell people I get really, really emotional prior to fighting because f- fucking fighting is emotional. It's, it is a very emotional uh, sport. Um, I like to be in tune with all my emotions and then have the ability to be emotionless during the fight. So it's a very uh, like weird dynamic or balance and Lathan has said it a couple times where um, uh, right before the fight starts, he's like, bro, you got, like, this dead look on your face. Sometimes I'm worried, like, you're flat. And I was like, I don't know what happens the second that I hear the cage door go, like, I tell people, if you've never done it on a live stage, on a big stage, there's no sound, like, when that cage door goes, clink, clink, there is no way out. There is no way out only on that's it running. only a
2: dub or a loss, a dub or
0: a loss. <laughs> and like you get lost could be choked out knocked out referee pulling somebody off of you so like there's just a switch that happens like i'm like feeling my walkout music i'm like in the zone i'm like oh my god i'm happy i want to be enjoying this moment and then it goes like clink clink and it's like like sometimes before fights if you look at like some of my ufc fight pass fights or something there's like a dead expression like there's nothing going on there and i tell people i like to kind of ride that line mentally between feeling everything and feeling nothing uh and then having access to both uh in 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 it's like that crazy line between like genius and and, and, in in insanity it's like you know it's such a thin line if you look at the warm-ups in the back man you can ask this guy. I'm going through all kinds of emotions. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm angry. Uh, uh, like, I have, like, songs that'll be playing. And, like, we were doing good. Like, we were in the back. I was warming up. I'm talking. And then fucking J. Cole, A Dollar and a Dream, came on. And I just, I can't even say it right now. I just got, like, choked up. And in the middle of the pad session, I just walk away and just burst out in tears. Because he's, like i'm listening to the song and i always say there are two particular artists that when i start listening to them in fight camp i feel like they're they're talking about my life it's j cole and russ and, and like there's a part in the song where he talks about like uh upon becoming a king and then you know it was just like he had like if you ever get a chance just listen to that song j cole a dollar in a dream uh one of my favorite artists of all time but i just remember when that comes on when that song came on it's like a dollar in the dream that's all uh that's all i really got if it's about the cream then i'm all up in the spot just a dollar in the dream and it's like i just remember i'm just like yo from nothing to something like all this was a thought in my head in 2016 when my coach used to tell me he said hey you're gonna be nervous walking out for your first fight make sure you have this like mental image of what it's like with all the lights and the people and the crowd and the stage and he was like go in your room cut off the lights, make sure it's pitch black, turn on your walkout music, and just see yourself get into the cage and the chaos. And I played that shit over and over and over in my head thousands of times. So then when I get there to that moment, it's like, I've already been here. And now I don't have to worry about the lights and the this and the that, and I don't feel that anxiety or that kind of pressure. The only f- pressure I feel is the pressure I put on myself. And then this guy always does the best about allowing me to enjoy the moment. He tells me when he sees me getting too tense, you relax. Remember, you get to do this. You don't have to do this. And he's like, hey, remember, you're not just fighting him. He's got to fight among Cosme. Like, and remember, and it's like, hey, and like, they just know the right things to say at the right moment depending on like how I'm feeling because I have access to all my emotions until it becomes nothing. And, like, once you get in that cage, it's like you have to feel, but you also just have to be – you got to have that kill switch. It's like when you knock that guy out, are you going to be like, oh, should I hit him again? In my head, I'm like, I'm trying to put my elbow to the to the, to the the other side of the canvas, and there's just a body in between me and him.
2: And it sounds vicious, but this ain't a nice sport. Nope. I think the uh, – I was about to say, I think what – I think uh, one thing he said was, like, talking about, like, being able to navigate through those emotions, dude – like, if, you, if you're if you going into a fight with someone who hasn't been there before, then your trust is a little <laughs> shaky with them. But if you know if you're going into a fight and you know that the guys that are standing on the other side of that cage giving you instructions has been in the fire, they've been in every mental space you've been in, the trust can be there completely. And I think that, like, he gives his coaches a lot of trust and a lot of, like, hey, I believe in y'all because y'all believe in me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that right there plays off of, like, me like me being able to tell him, hey, man, I see you're amped up, but remember, you get to do this, have fun. Because I'm reading what he's giving me. You know what I'm saying? We've been there together. We have been through the fire together several times. He's been there. He's been in my corner when I fought. I've been in his corner when he fought. We've been in the training room together beating the shit out of each other, <laughs> bleeding all over the place. You know what I'm saying? And picking each other up, like, so we know, hey, man, I know exactly what you're going through. Let's pick each other up. And I think that is that is key. Finding a, a place mentally with the right people to be able to shape and mold yourself, man. Yeah. That's key. Yeah, my corner. So this is my
0: head coach, right? He's my best friend. So he knows me. Like we live together, <laughs> we rent a house yeah. <laughs> together. All right. So he knows me on like more than just the fighting level. So this is why he's the head coach in there because he knows like what buttons to tick, move. And then also in my corner is 20-time UFC vet Cole Miller. And then we got the savant
2: yeah, (laughs) fucking
0: Bubby. There's nothing he doesn't know about fighting. Uh, He used to fight at 125. So it's like, man, we got like a really good mixture of guys who have already been baptized by the fire. And I just trust them completely uh, and it allows me to just let go. And part of more fighting is so much more about feeling, not forcing. Yes. And like my first couple pro fights, I was trying to force a lot of things. And then as I started to like back off and trust more, uh, it's not that I didn't trust him before, but trust in the process more. I started feeling more, and the more I started feeling things, the the the, the, the more the better the outcomes of the fight uh, were. And I was, I was telling someone, um, cause the, the last fight that I had three weeks before that fight, I lost my brother and my grandmother, like in back-to-back days Saturday and Sunday, I meant Sunday and Monday. And, uh, and everybody's like so concerned about like a win because I was coming off my first loss and all this other stuff. And my team has hammered into me. Like if you focus on the win, then you're not focused on what it takes to get the win. And if you just focus on what it takes to get the win, the win will come. So there's a game plan in place for a reason. And it's, uh, I was just telling Alexander Shank yesterday, it was like, if you look at a ladder and there's a rung at the top of the ladder and it's 20 feet high, I'm only 5'7", I can't reach that rung. So if I'm looking up, like I got to get there, I'm going to miss all the steps in front of me. Versus if I say, hey, I go on this step, then the next step, then the next step, eventually I'll get that, I'll get to the top, to the top goal. And that goal in the fight is the win. But I'm like, in my head, we make the goal now, whatever the game plan is. It's like, hey, if you yeah. stick to this, this gives you your highest percent chance of winning. So if we stick to this, this will be the outcome. This will be the outcome. But if you focus on the outcome, then you'll miss all, all the, the the details before it. So for me, I was like, man, my goal, is, my goal is to go out there and do my job. And I know what my job is. It's X, Y, Z. And we had... A game plan in for this guy in every area of the fight standing up uh on the cage on the ground in every position top or bottom and it never got to the second part of the game plan because we executed the first part of the game plan and the guy was waking up so it was like if you stick to the game if you stick to the game plan uh and you focus on uh your job and not the win then you won't have to you won't miss a lot of things and i was doing that early in my career uh, especially as a pro, I was focusing on the win. I got to get the dub, and I got to go out in there and get the finish. It's like, well, how are you going to get the finish? Is it going to be standing? Is it going to be on the ground? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be there? So it's like, hey, now that we focus on the job,
1: the win will be the result of doing your job. So who is your biggest mentor in fighting? Uh,
0: can I say something without sounding egotistical? Sure. I I would say myself as far as I don't, Cole has helped me. He's a 20-time UFC vet. When I say mentor, I mean someone to look up to because I've had a lot of people, and it's my fault, I've had a lot of people me in life, <laughs> and we practice and we study a lot of stoicism, and when you look up to someone and you put them so far ahead of you, it makes you think lower of yourself, okay, and... Anytime I go through this mental thing in training camps where I, I have doubt or disbelief and this, and I, I go back and I start looking at all the things I've overcame. I didn't start martial arts until my twenties. I didn't have my first fight until twenty five. In between that, I left. I, I've lost lots, lots of family members, close friends. I've had two car accidents. Had to rehab. Had to walk straight again. I've had two back surgeries. Uh, I've multiple. Uh, Devastating things happened in my life and I made it through it and I have to remind myself that I made it through it in the person that I am because of the person I chose to be in the past. I am who I am now because of the person I chose to be in the past. I have learned more now to admire people for, for things that I would like. Like, man, I love the way this person is authentic and genuine in this without putting people on the pedestal because then it makes me feel like I'm down here there and, there, and it's unreachable. And I did that a lot when I came here and I trained with Cole Miller. He was like, yo, I see you and Lathan sparring and y'all are trying to fucking kill each other. <laughs> then I told you to go with this other guy. You don't know. You, you're you kind of like like letting him work a little bit. Not letting him work like, oh, I'm better than him, but it's like you don't you don't want to disrespect my gym, so to speak. Like, you're like, he's like, go at him the same way you're going at everybody else. Then me and Cole started training together and we would roll and stuff. He's like, bro, you got to treat me like you treat the rest of the, like you treat Lathan. He's like, I don't care. I'm a second degree black belt and I have this skill set.
2: Remember what, what we talked about? Whenever y'all you were having that uh, mental blockage because I told you I went through the same thing. Yeah. About like you look at him as like big bro. He's like, I look at bro. him. I'm
0: like, yo, this is That's this is Cole Miller, twenty time UFC and vet. I, you, remember He's like, I said I was like, um, I was like,
2: don't don't give him so much respect that you disrespect yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was that like shit is like you respect someone so much that you start disrespecting yourself. And so it's like I have people that I admire and qualities and things. And I'm like, man, you know what? I really like that about that person. And I look up to the quality uh, more because I know it's something like I told you before, the the recipe for success is hard work, determination, uh, and consistency over time. And it's like, I know that I can have that quality if I practice it now. So then future me will be better off because of it. And like I said, I don't say like, oh, like I'm my own mentor to say like, I'm the shit and no one's above me. I'm like, no, I ain't shit. And there's a lot of ground to cover but I realized that I've been through a lot of fucked up shit and I've gotten through it. And the qualities that I currently have are because of the shit that I went through before. And my circle is small with people that I, uh, respect and admire a lot. Like my best friend, Lathan, my family, you know, my mom, uh, my, my sisters, uh, Cole Miller, Bubby, my coaches. It's like, I respect these people a lot, but I also learn, uh, to, like, not to idolize mm-hmm. so much. Because That's when awesome. you idolize, it's like... I remember running on a treadmill for a fight camp one time, and I was on my second Icon fight, and I saw uh, Al Jermaine Sterling and all these 35ers fighting. And I was like, I was idolizing these guys. And now these guys are actual, like, when I make it to the UFC, actual, like, potential... Like, I got to go through the grinder to go fight these people. So you can't look at them as they idols. Like when GSP fought Matt Hughes mm-hmm. uh, the first time, he said, I couldn't even look him in the eyes because I was like, oh, my God, it's Matt Hughes. And, you know, so there's a lot of qualities and a lot of traits from a lot of different people that uh, I draw inspiration from. Uh, and my mentors are also people that are in my close circle, like my best friends and my coaches and my family. Everybody has qualities that I admire and would like to uh, also adapt. That's why they're so close to me. If
1: that. It's a long answer, but... What piece of advice would you give to aspiring fighters that are trying to go professional like yourself? Ah, Piece of advice? This game is
0: about sacrifice and endurance. Sacrifice and endurance. You have to sacrifice something regardless of its uh, time, leisure activities, uh, pleasurable things, money, uh, your, your mind, your sanity at times, your physical health, your mental health. And if you're aware that these things are on your on your radar, when they're come, you should be a little bit better prepared. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And that's why I said it's endurance because you're gonna, it's, it's Cole Miller, he said something one time during, during our, our promotion, uh, our jujitsu promotion, it was like, it's not about who's first, it's about who's left. Sure. And it's like, oh, yo, yeah. no, you can have a good first round, but who's left in, at the end of round three, right? End of round five. And like, if you sacrifice, you straight, you stay authentic, true to who you are, and you can endure the grind. There's, there's nothing you can't have. There's nothing you can't have. Cool. You want to be good at jujitsu? Sacrifice, get your ass on the mat. You want to be good at Muay Thai? Sacrifice, get your ass on the mat. Go to Thailand, find a Thai coach. You want to, you want to do this? It's like you have to sacrifice, and you have to endure the struggles of not being good, uh, 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 breaking bad habits, all these things. I think it might sound like. It might sound rough, but you said advice for a fighter, and I'm telling you advice for a fighter, all right? Like, sacrifice and endurance. It's not about who's first, it's about who's, le- who's left. And if you're authentically yourself, when them fucking lights come on, if you shine a fucking laser on a, on a, on a diamond, it'll fucking sparkle. You shine a laser on cubic zirconium, it'll probably fucking melt. It's like, you don't want to be under those lights because it feels like a laser. And if you're not being authentically who you are, that shit will expose you. Okay, and I've said this before, it's like the cage is a diamond maker and a glass breaker. So like, be authentically yourself, uh, Learn, know that there will be sacrifices. Uh, and if you can endure the grind, there's nothing you can't have. And like, I think that's simple. What do you enjoy most about fighting? What do I enjoy most about fighting? That moment You get something you've been working really, really hard for. It could be something as simple as, oh, I've been working on this rear naked choke or I've been working on this kick. And you land it or you you acquire it in a live format. Like we drill all the time. And it's this constant patching this game, these holes. So it's this constant game of improvement. But when you can do it live, that's when it's like, Oh, my God. It's such a rewarding feeling of like I've been hammering away at this thing for months and months and months, a year, two years. I did something when I first got here and Cole was trying to put something in in my game. He said, Moon, you're probably not going to get this. He says 18 months, 24 months, maybe two and a half years. I was like, all right. He says, I don't say that to discourage you. I'm just telling you. And I was like, all right, cool and what do you know the thing that he put in place i didn't fucking (laughs) being able to adopt it to the style of fighting until fucking two years later so like but it was such a rewarding feeling uh i love that feeling after a fight when i look at my corner and they're going fucking nuts like that shit is like uh that shit is just it's it's crazy but uh From martial arts is definitely the the personal improvement
1: the most that would be what it is. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Amun and Coach. Is there anything you guys want to plug before we finish and wrap up the podcast? Yeah, uh,
0: just I want to plug my yeah (laughs) yeah. All right, I just wanna I just you just plug the the my Instagram uh Amun underscore Cosme underscore MMA. Uh, the link in my bio has all my links to everything, to uh, my Lunar Unlimited merchandise. And then you see my uh, saying on the back. All right, that saying, it says it's a good day to be alive, but an even better day to be great. Uh, and that's something I started saying in 2015 after my first back surgery and I had to like rehab on how to walk straight uh, uh, again. And I just remember like, I'm like, hey, if you're not grateful for anything, be grateful for being alive. Uh, and if you're alive... If it's a good day to be alive, no one wants to, No one's striving to be good. We're striving to be great. So if you got air in your lungs and it's something you want to be great at, go ahead and do it. And that's what uh, that saying means for me. Check out my merchandise, Lunar Unlimited. That's my company, my moon brand. And uh, check me out on millions, millions.co. That's where I do all my watch parties, streams, and things like that. And, uh,
1: yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I'm an open book. Follow moon on Instagram and subscribe to anything combat on YouTube. Bye, guys.